everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cazzini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Thomas Eugene, Senior Professional Services Engineer at Meridian Technologies. Thomas has spent the majority of his career so far in the tribal gaming space, first as the Commissioner of the Tool River Tribe Gaming Commission, and now in his role at Meridian. While his title may not read Product Marketer, Thomas is responsible for many activities that would traditionally live under product marketing. The experiences he's had around deeply understanding his customers and developing catered onboarding and success programs for them provide helpful insights for any product marketer, especially those supporting complex or custom software solutions. At Meridian Technologies, Thomas and his team, through their Prime software, provide tribal gaming casinos with the ability to develop and create custom workflows across the entire casino operation and go completely paperless. During our chat, Thomas and I discuss how critical it is to understand your customers and their unique learning needs when onboarding them to your product. Thomas shares some methods that he's used in his career to create a learning environment that puts customers at ease and makes them much more willing to share valuable insights and feedback. Before I get into the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features first-hand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that'll propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function and isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. That's pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. Hey, Thomas, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. Super excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, It'd be great if you could give the listeners an overview of your career journey so far and what you do as product marketing manager at Meridian Technologies. So my name is uh, Thomas Eugene. Um, I'm an enrolled member for the Tule River Tribe in California. And I started my journey way back in 2007, uh, working for our tribal casino on the tribal operations side as a vault cashier. So uh, as I worked my way up, I joined the uh, tribal regulatory agency as a compliance agent. Um, And in this position, I oversaw the daily activity of the entire gaming operation um, to ensure compliance and policies and procedures and maintain programs to prevent manipulation, corruption, and all other suspicious activity on the gaming floor. Um, In 2014, I was appointed as a gaming commissioner for our tribe, the Tule River Tribe Gaming Commission, where I approved all operation and regulatory processes, processes, um, gaming licenses for all employees, and to adhere to the rules and regulations for the tribal state compact. So I had over 10 years of gaming experience before I joined uh, Meridian. 10 years experience in the tribal gaming industry, which helped me land my current role with Meridian Technologies, where I became the customer advocate, collecting customer insights to influence product uh, roadmap. One of Meridian's uh, strategies is think different, be different. And I believe that this is really what differentiates us from our competitors. Um, We are not just a one-stop shop software company. You know, our prime software gives the users the ability to customize workflows taking a more personal approach. And that's a very unique experience for all of our customers. 
So with that said, my experience in the travel gaming industry has played a huge part in my role for Meridian Technologies. Being able to relate and understand customer workflows um, definitely made it easier for me to make recommendations and best practices of our prime software um, to not only uh, potential buyers, but our existing clients as well. That's super helpful. Thank you for that overview. And it's, you know, I've chatted with obviously a number of product marketers on this show and in other conversations as well. And they tend to come from some pretty unique backgrounds to say the least. Uh, but I would definitely argue that, you know, tribal gaming is one of the more uh, unique backgrounds that I've come across. So that's super exciting. And you, you touched on this briefly uh, in your overview, but I'm wondering if you could provide a little bit more insight. Um, aside from obviously having, you know, kind of cut your teeth in the tribal gaming space prior to taking on a role as a product marketer, was there anything about that regulatory experience or, or being part of the industry that you have felt has made you a stronger product marketer, either in the context of being at Perini Technologies or just more generally in, in the day-to-day -day life of, as a product marketer? Yes, uh, because I have that, you know, hands-on experience. I came from that side. I'm able to help the customers, um, you know, grasp on to the software more because coming from a, you know, paper process going into, you know, paperless is sometimes scary for a lot of people. So, um, being able to make those recommendations, understanding, you know, the rules, uh, the responsibilities that each um, department may have, you know, within their organization really helped me. Like, you know, basically I put myself in their shoes. Here's how I would have done it. You know, here's how I can help you move forward. And just having that experience uh, really just made things flow. And, and it was just easier for me to relate. Yeah, and I'm sure that ability to relate definitely added some legitimacy whenever you were, you know, actively participating in any sales opportunities. Um, I think having done that, while not every product marketer can directly engage in the field or the product that they ultimately support prior to stepping into the role, um, when you can, it definitely makes all your efforts, I'm sure, that much more effective. So yeah, thanks for sharing that little tidbit. So we'll dive into our, our main topic today, and, and it's really focused on this idea of, of knowing your customer uh, kind of inside and out. So it'd be great if you can share your thoughts on why you feel robust customer education is critical for product marketers to consider as part of the customer journey. Yes, definitely. So uh, Meridian strives to educate our users so that they can be more self-sufficient and confident in navigating our software. So, for example, um, the more knowledge that they have, the more likely they'd be able to, you know, resolve some of their internal issues versus having to wait on us as the vendor to, you know, come in, maybe it'll take a few hours, maybe it takes a day. We want them to be able to, you know, resolve some of their issues um, by showing them, you know, here's um, not the roadmap, but here's a user guide that can help you, or here's some videos that, you know, you may have to um, help you move on through your day without having to wait on us. So the first step um, in being able to successfully educate was getting to know your audience and their personas. Um, there may be a variety of generations within one group. So understanding the generational traits um, helped me develop, you know, training strategies for um, you know, specific projects. Um, we have like the auditory learners, kinesthetic learners, um, the hands-on approach, um, I believe, you know, worked best uh, when I was training. Um, you had the reading and writing learners who, you know, we provided user guides or handouts and then the visual learners, you know, those ones wanted videos, you know, some just different ways of learning. So we wanted our customers to be prepared and confident upon their go live or their launch date and having these tools and learning strategies available really helped our customers succeed on the paperless journey. Yes, and I can imagine when you're building some pretty robust technical solutions for clients, having them be able to learn in a method that best suits them reduces a ton of kind of after the, the sales point takes place, 
um, lift from your internal success teams and your sales teams. So I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, I really like the, the framing of teaching to the different learning styles. I think often as product marketers, especially because we're dealing with, you know, software that's at the very high end of complexity to ones that are very kind of um, easy to understand or at least uh, self-explanatory. And we can take for granted that just because we think it's self-explanatory or incredibly complex that the customer is coming in from a completely different standpoint. And especially because we're so close to it, we forget that, you know, not uh, every teaching approach is the best for our customers. So I, I thank you for highlighting that because it's easy for us to fall into these patterns of, well, let's just write a help doc and that should solve our problems or, oh, we'll do a quick overview video and that should be enough. Being aware that everybody learns differently, I'm sure just helps make that training material that much more effective. And again, it reduces the lift on the internal teams to make that client as successful as they can be. So you, you touched on obviously the different types of learning um, and how you factor that into creating different kinds of training material. But beyond that, what methods and tactics have you used yourself to yield positive results when educating customers as part of the transition from prospect to full-on customer? There are many methods and tactics that I've used to achieve positive results for all of our customers. Specifically, I've used mixed tactics spanning from in-person training to self-serve materials. The first thing I would say and the most important strategy is getting to know your audience and understanding their business requirements. I have showcased the Prime software to customers at trade shows, conferences, uh, webinars, even one-on-one, and understanding their workflows and what they are seeking in software is, is very important. Getting to know the customer and asking them if there's anything specific they're looking for allows me to showcase key features within the Prime software. I'm able to give them a visual representation on our software, on what our software is capable of, and also show them how their day-to-day workflows may look in our software applications. We provide many trainings and methods to our customers a week or two prior to their go-live or launch dates. Our main method that worked for most uh, was our auditory learning style, which was basically me presenting in a classroom setting demonstrating on how to create reports or make entries within the software in their own configured environment. This allowed the user to ask questions if they did not understand or need a more in-depth answer. We also provide the hands-on approach for those who had laptops or desktops available to practice navigating our system on their own. I created user guides or handouts for those who liked taking notes during the training session and also provided the users with videos for those visual learners. Again, our goal was to ensure that each user had the tools and the training that they needed to be successful and confident in using the Prime software. We created user proficiency handouts that were given to all users or trainees at the beginning of the training session. And at the end, we collected them. This helped me determine who may or may not need additional training or where I could improve in my training lessons. Meridian also held quarterly meetings with all existing customers uh, who wished to attend. On these calls and in these meetings, we had open discussions on the pros and cons of the software to get feedback from our users. Absolutely. There's a couple of insights that you touched on that I just want to dive a little bit deeper on. Um, And they all relate to, as a product marketer, inserting yourselves into various stages of the customer journey to uncover some really helpful learning. So the first point that you touched on, um, you know, learning and listening in on the sales cycle to uncover areas of focus for the customer that they are curious about or maybe wanted some more information on, or even during the training session, that would help inform how you then build out subsequent training. So, you know, if you if you work at a company where they use Gong or if you're able to shadow a sales rep, if on that call, the prospect is specifically touching um, areas of the product or asking questions about specific focus areas within the product, that 
the sales rep, you know, was able to answer, but you can tell the customer wants some more information on that will inform how you kind of build out that training program and what you might want to touch on afterwards. And also might inform what areas of the product might need some additional support or explanation, either from a product and development perspective or just in subsequent, you know, support material. Um, the other area was this idea of, and during the training session itself, uh, highlighting areas that yielded a lot of questions or uh, maybe some uncertainty from the audience. And that would inform essentially the product team on areas to focus within the product to improve, to make it more user-friendly, to reduce the burden on your success team, yourself as a product marketer, or your training team on having to spend as much time on those sections because ideally you've improved upon them in a way that makes them very intuitive. Um, so yeah, a couple uh, takeaways for the listeners here. I'm thinking about how they can leverage these conversations and these opportunities to inform not just their training, but the overall product. All right, uh, just hopping on to our next question here. So I think in product marketing, oftentimes we think about personas, positioning and messaging through the lens of selling and prospecting or in the in-product experience itself. So why do you think these important elements of product marketing should also be applied in the context of implementation, adoption, and education? Great question. Um, our prime software has uh, 12 applications and no matter how big or small the company is, the implementation process is always different. We develop project plans based on applications, the applications purchased by the customer and also the size of the company. So for example, we have customers that have purchased you know, the same application. One has 50 documents to configure while the other has 200. Uh, the project with the 50 documents will be completed much sooner than the project with uh, 200 since it will take more time to configure the system. Um, the size of the company and the number of employees will determine our training processes. Uh, some may have one facility while others have multiple. So depending on you know, the size of the company also determines you know, project dates, training dates. Um, training is typically a week, but some projects you know, could take longer than a week. These uh, factors determine our deadlines for workflows and configurations, training, and go live or launch dates. <laughs> yeah, I think that's important to consider that, you know, especially when you're dealing with such complex software that is very much catered to the customer and their existing workflows, the size of their business, the size of their employee base, um, that you want to be careful about how you're positioning the complexity or the customization of your solution and the time at which it takes to, to roll out. I think based on what you're explaining, it would probably be a mistake to go to market with positioning and messaging that assumes, you know, Meridian technologies and their software is easy to roll out. You can get it up and running in a couple of days, um, no matter what size your org. Uh, that would obviously be a, a big miss based on what you just explained. So it's important to factor in, you know, the complexity of the product. And also I think the complexity of the training and length of that training as how you're framing your solution in the context of the broader marketplace. So yeah, I think that's an important thing, especially when you know, product marketer working on some of these more complicated custom built solutions um, that someone who might be working in a you know SaaS environment might take for granted. So if you're ever making that transition, I think it's important to keep that in mind. So on this idea of you know common product marketing um, themes, uh, I want to switch over to, or dive a little bit deeper rather into this idea of personas. So Typically, when we talk about buyer and user personas, we think of them as the latter being informed by product marketing and the former by product. Do you think there's a benefit to both teams collaborating on buyer and user personas? And if so, why? Yeah, so with Meridian, about 75% of the buyers are typically the users of the software. We have had a few um, 
buyers uh, who purchased our software for their teams. But I would say it's a huge benefit for us as the vendors to have both teams collaborating because we are working with the system administrators to build the software. And if we're getting direction from, you know, two different leaders of the of the software, you know, the configurations could constantly change, you know, and they would also drag out the uh, project date. So I think it's important that the product marketing influences the product roadmap um, so that uh, we can avoid swirl and back and forth between both teams. Uh, typically, the buyer will assign a, for us, you know, the buyer would assign a project lead for the application that is purchased. And that's who we would work with, you know, for all the system configurations and training. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And again, I think for for any of the listeners, if you are, you know, working at an organization where you're selling um, a solution where the buyer and the user are two different groups, or, um, you know, there are edge cases where the buyer and the user aren't the same person, I think it's important to keep that user informed, even during the sales process, so that the user can highlight any concerns that they might have, or that you can speak to any objections that the user specifically might have. And to your point of, of kind of this idea of back and forth and swirl, um, by having them involved from the very beginning or as early on in the sales process as possible, you're able to ensure that you're selling the buyer on something that the user is also going to see benefit from. And at the end of the day, the user is not going to the buyer and saying, why did you purchase this software? It's a mess. It's not working for what we needed it for. Um, you know, once this contract is up, we need to get out of this as soon as possible. Um, so you know, if you do find yourselves in that situation and the user isn't engaged in those conversations early on as a product marketer, it's important, I think, to, to advocate for the user uh, and get them involved in those conversations. Great. So on the flip side of things, as product marketers, you know, we're often asked to educate and inform internal teams, specifically product and engineering about our customers, whether they are the buyer, the user, or both. So there's a lot of internal enablement happening. Um, how do you typically approach this type of customer advocacy, especially when, you know, this product that you're selling is very customizable and, and you know, can be very complicated um, with, you know, protracted rollout periods? Um, I have managed, you know, many projects for Meridian. Um, and within our project plans, we have deadlines and dates of when these applications would go live for our customers. So it was very simple to advocate on behalf of the customers. Our main goal was to get them live and to use our software sooner than later. So we all work together as a team. Uh, we schedule daily webinars uh, to our with our customers to configure and review, you know, their workflows. Uh, during those calls, uh, we have discovered during those calls uh, if we have discovered any bugs within the software or any areas of concern, uh, we compiled these notes and the areas of concern into our ticketing system that our engineers could look at on e and easily keep track. Um, those tickets will be looked at from a highest to lowest priority. Highest meaning um, we cannot proceed with the project without these being resolved, and lowest meaning that it was not a risk, uh, but still an issue. So I would work with the engineering team to make sure that they fully understood the issues. Sometimes it was easier for me to, you know, log in under the customer's portal and then recreate that issue for the engineer team so they can, you know, see it a visual. Uh, so again, being the advocate for the customer and keeping internal teams up to date on key customer insights. The last thing we wanted to do was push project dates back. So working together as a team uh, to ensure, you know, that customer success and uh, that customer's go live date was our main goal. And as a product marketer on the team, do you play an active role in establishing or assigning that priority to those bugs or issues? Or is that something that the engineering team is primarily owning? 
it's primary up to the engineering team, but we did have, you know, project dates. So uh, depending on how many tickets there were, you know, um, if one project was going live in January and the other project was going live in February, January's project would take priority. Yeah, that makes sense. You want to make sure you're hitting your, your timelines as much as possible. Yeah, and I, and I ask because, you know, I think um, to your point, it's as a product marketer, you want to advocate, obviously, for the customer, and you also want to be able to get your hands dirty and kind of demonstrate that customer's pain as best you can. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. You know, sometimes you can leverage um, specific calls or interactions that have been recorded, um, as you suggested, and show those to the engineering team and saying, hey, this is an issue, and you can clearly see it explained by the customer here. Other times, you yourself have to go in and kind of break things in a, in a, in a you know, to use a phrase, um, or at least recreate those issues to, to, to justify the need to elevate priority or show that this is truly a problem. So the closer you can get to the, the customer, the engineering team, I should say, and your ability to speak their language and, and show those issues, the more likely you are to get their buy-in and, and either move issues up in priority or, you know, down in priority, depending on what the broader org is working on. I know there have been times in my career where I've advocated for something to get done by the engineering team because you know I just had a really great interaction with a customer and, and they were obviously frustrated that this wasn't working the way that they intended. But the engineering team comes back to me and says, "Hey, Mark, I know this customer is really upset. Um, you know, they're they obviously have this problem, but this is a problem that impacts just them or maybe them and one of their customer. And we've got these other issues that we need to address that uh, that impact a broader percentage." So it's important as a product marketer, if you can, to assess the impact whenever you're going to the engineering team, or in the same way that when you're talking to the product team about potential features and functionality, you want to go with them in the context of what's the value to the customer. Um, so yeah, just something I think I'd highlight, because I think you you kind of uncovered that is whenever you're dealing with bugs or issues, you want to articulate the impact as best you can, either with clear examples or with um, any analysis that might further supplement that impact clients or customers would make some recommendations and those would also go into like, you know, the enhancement side. Is this a good feature? Can this benefit all of our customers, um, you know, within this application? So definitely the software was built um, upon recommendations of our, our users and the people who, you know, are the daily super users are, are the system administrators. You know, we really did take their insights and ideas and, and really help build the software to what it is today. Yeah, and I'm sure you get a ton of value from those in-person or online training sessions where you're working with the customer and you're seeing them kind of poke and prod at things and, oh, maybe it would be better if this happened when I did this, or it would be great if we could also do this. Um, that's, I would imagine, you know, for you, another great avenue for uncovering some of those enhancement opportunities, as you said. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Thomas. I think it's great to, to chat with product marketers who find themselves at orgs where they're you know, supporting and supporting the sales motion for these more complicated or not complicated, because I think that has a negative connotation, but more custom, let's call them uh, solutions. Because yeah. um, yeah, I think oftentimes we think product marketing, we think we think SaaS or we think subscriptions, we think very simple, you buy it once, you're set for life sort of, sort of thing. Um, but there are a lot of product marketers out there who are on the opposite end of the spectrum where there are protracted sales cycles, there are protracted onboarding cycles. So I appreciate your insights and your recommendations because I think those product marketers will benefit immensely from listening to you speak to that. So thank you so much for that. Awesome. So we've made it to the final question. So I'll ask you this before I let you go. And it's when I ask all my guests. And that's, if you could be a product marketer at any company in the world for any product or service they offer, what company and solution would you choose and why? 
I think I would choose, you know, uh, you know, I thought about this question before. Um, I had to get back to, you know, something that I use, you know, a lot. And I would just have to say Apple and the iPhone because I do use it. I mean, you have your phone with you 24-7 all the time. It's really next to me all the time. So, you know, because I'm a, a user for many years, I just feel like there are many features of the iPhone that I don't use or I don't know about. So being a product marketer, I could educate users or educate myself on, you know, all these features of why it costs so much, because I do believe in the value of the product. I just, you know, don't know everything and all these features that it that it offers. I mean, use it for the basics, you know, check your emails, you take pictures, you check your social media, but there's so much more to it that I would like to learn about and, you know, not only educate myself, but I mean, being able to educate others similar to what I do for Meridian. Um, I feel like, you know, they they have all these updates. They release new products every year, new phones, and um, just the messaging, I think, I, I, I feel like, you know, I want to be a part of in that education process. Yeah, absolutely. There are very few products out there that pretty much, I would say, maybe more than half of the population in, in most, um, you know, developed areas uh, of the world that get used every single day. And Apple is one of those companies that has several of those products. So uh, definitely some interesting challenges. I, I think there was another guest that I had in a previous conversation who also mentioned Apple. And I think we both noted that product marketers seem to be getting more and more airtime at a lot of their keynotes events. So definitely seeing product marketing being recognized at a company, the stature and size of Apple is a, is a big win for, for product marketing in general. And yeah, I think there's so much that can be learned from working at an org like that on, you know, how do you, to your point, onboard and educate customers on um, these devices, especially if it's the first time they've ever bought their first iPhone or their first AirPods or their first MacBook. Like, I think um, there's, there'd be a lot of exciting and potential um, opportunities to explore that journey in depth. So yeah, I agree with you. That's a, that's a good choice. Well, awesome, Thomas. This has been great. Thank you so much for your time today. If anybody did want to get in touch with you after listening to the episode, ask any questions about, you know, transitioning from an in-industry position to the other side of the table as a product marketer, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me, I have a LinkedIn profile. Just search uh, Thomas Eugene. Um, Meridian also attends the Global Gaming Expo here in Las Vegas. Uh, it just happened this week, but we will be back in uh, 2023. So if you'd like to attend our uh, private event that we host, um, you can contact me there. We'd be able to showcase uh, any of our software applications that you are interested in. Um, we also have our existing clients there where you can um, get some personal insights of our software and, you know, ask them how it's going for them. Awesome. Yeah. Always great to hear from people who are already benefiting from the product. Uh, and you had mentioned, you know, in preparation for our call today, that that's another area where you were able to get some great insights from those customers and kind of observe those interactions between potential customers and existing ones and hear what the, the existing customers had to, to say um, what they liked and maybe didn't like as much about the solution. Um, but those are always areas up for opportunities to learn from for sure. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time today, Thomas. I will let you go. And I'm sure you will have some people following up with you afterwards to chat. Thank you for your time, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. 
Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.